Maybe like, that's sin. I don't know. How do we get people on the hook? We need to get this show moving again. It feels like everyone is resting right now. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Post-Christmas greetings, Stephen. Post-Christmas time is here. You know, in in our two podcasts ago when we talked about Christmas, I told you that I was in favor of moving Christmas to early February. I remember. The, this tight compaction between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, I feel that times 50 with Christmas. Holiday whiplash? Can we ho- call it holiday whiplash? Christmas and New Year's. It's like, I don't know if this is a two holidays or one. I know that our intention is set on the arrival of the Messiah for Christmas, but in terms of just general uh, resting and break, it just feels like we should make those back-to-back holidays if we're going to do anything. What do we do with the 26th through the 31st? Huh. You... So in opposition to your earlier thought that the two holidays are too close, you feel that Christmas and New Year's are too far apart. Well, again, this could all be solved by just spacing, moving Christmas. But if we're not going to do that, and I feel like I haven't gotten any emails from our listeners about it, so it seems like it didn't catch on. If we're not going to move Christmas, then might as well just get rid of this weird four or five day period. You're crazy. I don't know what to say to you, except those days between Christmas and New Year's, they're the most holiday days of the year. That That is the afterglow. All of the presents have been given. There are dead days where no one expects anything of you unless you're doing a year-end party. Back, You remember events? Do you remember when there used to be events? You were in that business, right? Back yeah. In the well, day. so when you would have a year-end party, there might be something to do in that time. But otherwise, the gifts have been given. You're sleeping in. You're exercising a little bit during the day. You're going on walks in the park with the family. There's nothing to do. It's great. I call it the afterglow between the 25th and the 1st. But you you want to get on with it because you're a bottom line guy. <laughs> I think that back when I was an employee of a larger company, I was all about the holiday season. And I I still love it, but I feel the pull of the the jobs to be done in the in those off days when I know I'm not getting anyone else besides me to do any work. So that's what I just said. You want to get on with it. Maybe like, that's sin. I don't know. How do we get people on the hook? We need to get this show moving again. It feels like everyone is resting right now. Which they are. So this week we're gonna we're gonna get back to our roots a little bit and talk about Let me ask you something, Mark. Okay. Speaking of afterglow, taking it slow, right downstairs right now, this is the time of year. Okay, my, my, my kids are officially off school right now. I'm, I'm, I have the time to go find a haircut, which 
that isn't always an easy thing to fit into one schedule. But I think I have time in the next few days to go find a haircut, which is great. And if you walk downstairs into my kitchen right now, the girls have made cupcakes. We had a neighbor that just delivered uh, banana nut bread. Uh, my parents have sent from Texas, from the new Braunfels Smokehouse, several smoked meats, which you can, which are thinly sliced. You get some smoked cheddar cheese. You get some crackers. We have no turkeys this year, though. I, I don't have a smoked turkey, but I have smoked turkey parts and, you know, delicious, sweet and spicy mustard. There's a fruit relish, you know, th th it's the grazing time of year. So tomorrow, this we're recording this on a Friday. Tomorrow will be the last round of college football games for the year before bowl and playoff season starts. It's a grazing time of year. It's also the time of year when if, you're, if your company, I guess, is brave enough to do it, you're doing some kind of maybe executive get-together dinner type things. And we decided, screw it. We're going to take uh, our one remaining employee to dinner, which we did last night. We did a fancy dinner. And we, boy, we talked a long, I couldn't believe how long we talked about this. We talked about the holiday cocktail last night. So we both tried something, which I'm thinking a cocktail is probably something I have up to three times a year. And so we both had a cocktail last night. I enjoy it's a it's a funny thing because rarely do a, you know, does a drink have, you know, more than five ingredients in it. But if you, these people do these fancy cocktails there, the way I'll, I'll this is so, so interesting. They prepared the glass for the cocktail that I, I was presented. So there was a there was a tiny little dish, like a soap dish, but tiny. And there were fragrant like potpourri of herbs that had been set on fire. And then the glass was turned upside down over this fire. And then all the ingredients for the drink were on a tray. And then they brought the tray out in front of us. They took the glass off, wafted the smoke around our faces, and then put the ingredients in the pre-smoked glass. And I just thought, well, this is a treat here. This is this is a delight. So anyways, that is a very long setup to ask you, Mark. I should have told you the question I was going to ask you before I started that story. Can you give the people a simple recommendation for a holiday cocktail? Maybe something they would enjoy in the afterglow days mm. after Christmas when there's no wrapping, no errands to be done, maybe some returns. There's a lot of trash to be taken out to the street corner. But besides that, it's slow days. Yeah. There's a fire. There's a fire going. I'll give them my go to uh, holidayization ingredient that can be added to many cocktails. OK, if you add this one ingredient, it turns any drink into the festive holidays. You go find yourself a bottle. Well, if you're really creative, I know we have some back to the land types listening. You can make this at home. There's recipes for a good Nocino uh, online, but there's a walnut liqueur called Nocino. N-O-C-I-N-O. N -O -C -I -N -O. And it's a delicious, sweet, 
nutty thing and you don't need much of it. So let's say you have a Manhattan that's really, really simple to make. You just take one and a half ounces of whiskey and one and a half ounces of sweet vermouth and shake it up there or stir it really. That's your Manhattan. If you put a half ounce of Nocino in there, suddenly it tastes like Christmas. No kidding. Um, if you want to get really crazy, you can make an old fashioned and dump this in there and even take a little dash of maybe some smoked black tea liqueur. That's, that's another staple at our house. Uh, that's harder to get your hands on, but, uh, that's my, that's my advice. You know, we, is the smoked black tea liqueur, what you put on top of the fancy, um, margarita that you once made me? No, that's a really peaty scotch, but we're giving away my family secrets now. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, Let's go back to Nocino. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when uh, you you were a three cocktail a year guy, and we were maybe like a cocktail every evening family. Um, this has... Yeah, probably two of my cocktails came from you. Yeah, this has changed. So we... We have dramatically reduced the consumption of, of all alcohol in the house just because it just feels like this is the time when, you know, we're not succumbing to fear, but we would like to be as healthy as possible. Yes. We sleep better, all that jazz. So it's less of a, you, if you'd asked me this two years ago, I would have talked for the whole podcast. But today I just say, if you're going to have a cocktail, go find some Nocino and make it, make it Christmassy. That's the kind of simple tip I was hoping for. Now we can move on. I feel like in this podcast, I have to do a false start into our, our content for the day. Okay. In order to pull out whatever you've got in your heart as introductory banter. Okay. Yeah, you have, you have to actually start into it. And then I interrupt you. I take us backwards to something interesting. And then we get to go back to what you already introduced. Yeah, I mean, I would love to know how many times that is our pattern for opening. If there's a listener who can go back and tell us, we will send them an Abraham's Wallet t-shirt <laughs> yes. whenever we make Abraham's Wallet t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, whenever those exist, you'll get one hot off the press. Yeah. So as I was saying, I wanted to get back to our roots and talk talk money stuff a little bit. Uh, and I thought I, I foreshadowed this a few weeks ago when I was talking about financial ratios. And the thing about financial ratios, like your emergency fund and your current ratio and all these things, they're driven off how much cash and liquid assets do you have your, in your accounts? So let's say that, that our listeners listened to those and said, oh, we really do need to, to have a little bit more liquid assets available so if something comes up we're in good shape good now the next question is where should we keep it and there's lots of places that you can keep your cash you could keep it in paper money in, under your mattress you could keep it at a bank account in your checking account at a bank in the savings account you may have heard of some of the online banks that are offering a higher yield. We'll talk about that. You've probably heard your grandparents recommend certificates of deposit. So what's that all about? And then we're gonna finish up with a really controversial new idea that I'm not recommending to anyone, but you could go investigate yourself if you want. Oh, exciting. So Steven, you have been a fan of cash. At, di at different times in your life, you've held a lot of it. 
That's true. Um, where where does your family like to keep their cash? Well, the first thing that I would run by you is um, the the paper money uh, um, stronghold. We're another holiday tradition of ours, and I found out. It's not, I found out it, it's not original to us. I thought we invented this and I thought we were super clever for this. And then somebody else at my church mentioned doing the same thing. And it, and it was, it, I was sort of crestfallen. I thought, oh, well, I thought we were pretty cool, but whatever. One, what we do is we have been, had traditionally been Lord of the Rings fans. And so as soon as uh, Peter Jackson released his extended edition, which every movie turns into six to eight hours, um, not only did we uh, consume those, but we ran out to buy the Lord of the Rings um, Trivial Pursuit game, which my wife kills people in. She will destroy you if you have a Denethor or, I don't know, Faramir type question. She, she, she's very good at it. So what we do is when Thanksgiving comes around and we're in the, the head, the head, what did we call this? I called it uh, whiplash. We're in a holiday whiplash season after Thanksgiving. We dive into the uh, Lord of the Rings. So um, in Lord of the Rings, when, uh, Rohan is being attacked. They go back. They go back to the hold, to the keep. And this is their place where they store the women and children while there's a war going on. Helm's Deep. Anyhow, I think of my home as Helm's Deep. It's supposed to be a place of uh, refuge. So I think we've talked before about having a, a little store of the, the um, what are they, what's that F? Uh, it starts with an, huh? Food? No, it starts with an, it starts, FEMA, FEMA. FEMA says that we're supposed to have emergency supplies on hand for two weeks worth of stuff. So I think we've talked about that before. We have, we have a store of food uh, deep down underneath our home. Um, deep down underneath, I only just mean the basement. Um, and we also have, um, we also have a little store of cash. So I want to get your reaction to that. Boy, that was a long answer to say that in various places in our home, which I, I won't speak aloud in, in case there are banditos listening, but we have, I'd say between eight and $10,000 of cash, uh, in, in various spots in our home. How, how, what do you, what do you make of that? Two things. Our, our listening audience won't benefit from this, but you see what I'm holding up here, Stephen? Do you know what it's this is? It's a cardboard is? box, Mark. Yeah. Inside of it is imported from the UK, a special, super fancy, illustrated Lord of the Rings series that we're going to read as a family for the first time. Uh, that's going to be under the Christmas tree. Like graphic novels? Yeah. Well, not exactly. It's not graphic novel, but it's the full text as originally written. But, each but like page, a lot more illustrations. Each page has a big illustration. So it's an artist that teamed up with the publisher to make it. So. Holy moly. Well Pretty done. Um, 
in terms of cash, I think I would say, I think having some cash on hand is always a good idea. There was a time when we just, so you, you know that there, there was a time when a significant portion of my hourly work in the week went to sitting at poker tables and I was making a pretty good living doing that. And so cash was how you, you entered and exited a lot of these games. So did you have banded 10 grand strapped to your ankles? Not to my ankles, but, but there were bricks and, and they were kept in the safe. Um, and there's really no feeling quite like throwing a, you know, $5,000 brick on the table at a poker game and knowing that you're probably going to double it. Um, that's fun stuff. <laughs> it's also really dumb if you don't know what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I was about to say, except, except the fact that you're gambling and you never know for sure that you're about to double it. Well, yeah, I, I point you to the movie Rounders. Um, you should you should know that you have enough to do that over and over and even out the variance if you're going to do something like that. Yes. Um, but I would say now that those days are gone, you can go back to the blog and see how we cashed that out and paid off a substantial portion of medical school with poker winnings. Okay. Um, now that those days are gone and I don't need $20,000 of cash at the ready. Um, I just keep a, a couple, two to $3,000. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not so much for actual societal meltdown type emergencies. It's just, if somebody really needs cash quickly, they know they can go to the safe, get it. And, um, the, they have to put it back because we like to keep that kind of where it is. Okay. So I had a, a financial advising cut type of a conversation with a young man yesterday. He's in his, uh, early twenties. He, um, is student age, not much money. And how much cash do you think he should have on hand? Not a whole lot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think if you're asking about paper cash, yes, I just don't think it matters that much. Um, personally, I think okay. maybe you would disagree and say it's a good idea to have some, you know, I, I actually do agree with the Dave Ramsey classic wisdom here that $1,500, everyone needs $1,500 at the immediate ready, but I'm fine if that's in a checking account or a savings account where you can use it if you have a you know blown out tire or whatever happens um if you want that to be in cash money that's fine it does get problematic um uh, if you're living in a dorm room for example there's yeah. people that come and go in those dorm rooms and fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money to a college student they might be yeah. willing to take it from you if they knew it was there yeah uh whereas if i came into your house it's a lot less likely that I'm going to rummage through all your stuff and find your, your $1,500. In cash. Yes. There's many places to rummage. Um, yeah. On that same note, we have friends who have buckets full of, um, of silver, silver bullion, uh, you know, like hidden in their yard with grass grown over them. Um, that's, that's one level up for, I know you're not talking, you're talking about cash specifically, but boy, you talk about the Helm's Deep stash. There, there's the stash. 
I do know people who have buckets of silver. Anyhow, okay. We're not going to touch on precious metals today. I actually think there's interesting things to talk about there, um, but we'll just keep moving. Nor with the uh, fast-paced world of cryptocurrency, which is going bonkers. We are going to get there. But oh, like- you, you actually want to talk about crypto. Okay. Well, the only other thing I have to, to say to, in answer to your question, where do, I, where do we keep our cash, is that we uh, run a, an events planning business. So people hire us to, to do events, and then we have to go out and make deals with, um, with, with vendors on their behalf. And so we always have to outlay a whole bunch of money to make an event happen. And then we get paid after the event happens. That being the case, we had to build up over years, a war chest of cash. And the, um, the bigger the event we have to do, the more event we have, the more dough we have to have on hand to make it happen. So that quickly started turning into 50 and then hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it always was a head scratcher to me because there were times in the year where we had nearly nothing um, in our accounts because everything was popping. We were doing stuff. And then there were times in the year when we just had gobs. I mean, nearing million of dollars, million dollars in these accounts. And so my thought was always, is there, gosh, there's got to be some way that in the short term we could put this money to work, even if it's only going to be there for three months or something. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm creating a diving board for you to jump off of. That's So I'll just yeah. leave it there and say we got, we've got this problem of short term um, being flush with cash, but we know that it's not going to be there forever. What, how, could we, how could we maximize that opportunity, Mark? Well, I'm going to start at your question there and work into a sort of answers that are more relevant to the average person who doesn't, who isn't sitting there listening to us or maybe on their jog and saying, I've just got millions of dollars of cash and I don't know where to put it, but I can't, I can't invest it because I need it for cash for my business. That It's the common man's problem. Bless you. If that's your conundrum, I don't think it's the case for most of our people. Uh, but one of the things to think about when you're keeping cash and in, in the bank is uh, something called FDIC insurance. And you're limited to how much of your cash is insured by the federal government. You just want to be careful if you're going to deposit a whole bunch of money in one place that you're getting insured for all of it. Cause only $250,000 is going to be insured if it's just you depositing a big chunk of cash into a single account. Now, there's ways around that. Steven, you know that our business account, for example, is held at a bank that actually deposits in eight different banks. So they can get $250,000 of insurance times eight. Um, It's a good deal. And then if we have two people on the account, each person can get 250,000 times eight. So there's ways to, to maximize your FDIC insurance. You're not limited to $250,000 for you. You're limited to $250,000 per institution. So right. you can spread it out and get a lot more insurance. Um, so that's to answer your question there is if you're going to deposit a humongo chunk of cash somewhere, keep it in mind that you want it insured. Right. But can that money make money? 
Yes. So the the bank that we use that I was talking about is called Flourish, and they're paying 80 basis points right now on those accounts, um, which is 0.8%. Now, that's not great, but as we're about to talk about, it's better than most people are paying. Uh, it might be the best at the moment that I know of. And 0.8% um, is better than zero. <laughs> That's about all I have to say about that. Yes, it is. So let's talk about the more normal scenario of somebody that has three months of their living expenses saved up. They've got a nice emergency fund. Um, how to pick where to put that. And when we were prepping for this episode a week ago, I had my list of places that were paying 1% interest. And I just offhandedly checked in on them right before we started recording. They're all paying one half of a percent interest today. Wow. So we're in an environment where rates are really dropping. And you may have seen that on the news. Interest rates are not high right now. They're historically low, which is fantastic if you're trying to buy a house, but not so good if you're trying to earn money on your cash. Well, it's, it's a nice. great time to borrow money. It's not a great time to lend money. Yes. So instead of talking about saving money today, we're going to present you with some great credit card offers. <laughs> not really. Um, so really the, the range that I'm seeing in consumer banks right now is between a half a percent and 0.65%. It's pretty tight what people are paying. And so my inclination is to say, well, what else can I get from keeping my money somewhere? And there's a lot of options. We do not have time to cover them all. Somebody might hear this and go, well, I know of a better bank that has more cool features. But I'm a big fan of Ally Bank. They pay a competitive interest rate. And when rates go back up in 12 months, they will increase their interest rates. Um, but what I really like about them is they let me keep all my money in one account. I don't have to have 20 different accounts like I did when I banked at Capital One. Uh, I had an account for car savings and I had an account for travel savings and all that. Well, Ally lets me have one account and then just flag the amounts I want for each thing. So when I log into their app or their website, I can see, okay, I've got this many dollars set aside for travel and I put a little bit into that each month. I've got this many dollars set aside for each of my kids. They have their own sub account. It's inside of my account. Um, and here's my emergency fund and I can see all that. Um, and I find that really useful. Some of these companies uh, like Ally also offer interest bearing checking accounts. So if you want to talk about low interest rates, 0.1% is a pretty good interest rate on the checking account. So again, it's probably not a huge amount of money to anybody that's not keeping gigantic sums in their checking account, but it's kind of nice to know that there's something being generated in my checking account. Um, well, if you keep a balance of 15 grand, I think at Ally, you get a quarter of a percent, isn't that right? That's true, if you keep it in your checking account. Right. Um, you can make more by just keeping nothing in your checking account and keeping it all over in the savings where it's making 0.65 yeah. six or whatever it is today. Yeah. Um, the last thing is just convenience of a lot of the online banks that pay good interest rates. They'll, it's pretty standard these days for them to let you uh, use any ATM you want and they cover the fees. Um, 
which is nice because you can go to Wells Fargo and deposit cash in their ATM and the next minute it's in your ally account. It's pretty cool. Beautiful. So One that's short that, term that's short term cash that you can make money on. Yeah. One thing that I've had clients ask me about is, hey, what about what about CDs, certificates of deposit? What about those CDs? My grandpa says that CDs are the safest place to invest. And they might have been for grandpa. They might have. There was a time not long ago when you could get a pretty decent interest rate for locking up your money for 18 months and a certificate of deposit. I remember that. They might pay you 3%. Um, and that's great if you're just thinking, well, this is money I'm saving for a home purchase in 18 months, but I'm not going to need it before then. Uh, today, CD rates are lower than plain old savings account rates for these high yield accounts. So I personally don't see any reason to take out CDs unless you think that, you know, when I when I checked around just now, average rate I saw was about 0.4%. If you think that you're not going to be able to get 0.4% anywhere, then maybe you would want to lock up a CD. But personally, I'm not interested. Yeah. So CDs. And, and part of the reason that we care about this is not just so that you, it's not really like our credit card hacking where we're like, Hey, you can get a free $50 by doing this thing. It's because <laughs> inflation is happening. So if you bury your, your cash in the yard, um, let's say you take a thousand dollars and stick it under the sofa and inflation means that every year that's worth about two and a half percent less three percent less um and that will eat away your money over time that's why you don't want grandma to just have all her money in cash even if she's really risk averse because every year she's effectively got less money if that's what she does um and so anything we can do to to combat that even by a little bit if inflation's two and a half percent and we can find 0.6 percent well, now inflation's only impacting us less than 2%. And that's that's better than nothing. And we'll counter it with our other investments. Um, but that's that's why we care about this kind of uh, thing and making sure you don't just stick all your money in cash in the safe. Let me, let me ask about another product that does the same thing. Um, in, in a time where we might be nervous about our reserves or I don't know, some people don't trust the trust what the uh, market is doing right now, which is looks looks super strong. Um, when I was sort of high school, college age, if you really wanted to think long term and you had a hundred dollars to your name, you could go to the bank and buy yourself a bond. And then that thing, it would say that, you know, in two years time, you could buy it for 85 bucks. And in two years or five years or 10 years, it was going to be worth $100. And you got this thing that felt very official. You got this certificate where you felt like an investor. I did. I felt like a big shot with this because it was a full color thing. It said U.S. Treasury on it. What about bonds for putting my money away for, say, two years, which is still kind of short-term money? Yeah. 
So we don't have time to cover bonds in depth, but you you gave it the base. Just give me that simple one. If it's just a like a government treasury bond, it's a way but, to it's a it's a way to do a savings account basically. Yeah. So the problem with bonds is that the coupon, the amount you get every period, is going to be generally uh, a fixed amount, and so you're kind of locked into the rate that that is available when you go get that bond. Let's just check the treasury bond. I just thought of it when you were mentioning CDs, where you're locking up your money for a fixed amount of time to get a little bit of icing for it. Yep. So the three month yield right now is 0.08%, not so hot. The six month is 0.09%. That is not very hot at all. No, and this is why these savings accounts have dropped so much. They used to be in a lot of short-term money like this. We have to go all the way up to the five-year government bond uh, to get 38 basis points, which is 0.38%. And once we step up to the 10-year, we can get just shy of 1%. And the 30-year, we can get 1.7% today. And that so money is no more safe than your FDIC money, right? Um, no, I mean, it, it's... I would say equally, you're going to get that money back uh, unless the United States defaults on their debt, which in that case, we have a whole different set of issues. We've got a different set of problems. Yeah. Then we want those buckets of gold coins and bullets. We want a lot of bullets. Um, but right now, given how low yields are, um, I'm not a big fan of uh, in buying, especially individual bonds. There are reasons to buy bonds right now, and I do use them all the time with clients, but we don't have time to go into kind of the details of bond investing. The one thing I would watch out for is you can go find bonds that are going to pay you 10% right now. Um, there's a reason why they're going to pay you 10%, and it's because they're very high risk. Yeah, and You could just as well go put your money in uh, company stock. Um, so... Don't be tempted by really high yield bonds. There's usually a reason that they're yielding what they are. I have made that mistake earlier in my life where I thought, hey, this, this is a big company. I'm going to invest in this bond that's yielding 15% right now. That company's not going to go away. And I just didn't understand what I was investing in and got hosed. So bonds, it's not exactly my buying those high yield bonds is exactly like stock picking, right? You're, you're, you're not, it's not safe money that this CD is going to pay out. It's that I hope this company does super duper well. Yeah. And it's actually harder than stock picking. Like if you told me a investment professional to go assemble a portfolio of stocks, you know, it's not really how we do investing in, in our practice, but I could do it pretty, pretty well. Um, bonds, there's, so many bonds and one company issues so many and they're all different you almost need to be a professional to pick an individual bond if that's what you're going to do and that's you know there's people who their only specialty is municipal bonds in this narrow band and this type of thing and they know them and you got to pay one of those people if you're going to try to buy one otherwise right. you don't know what you're doing i can almost promise so Individual bonds, uh, that's not a game that, that 
that I play. Yeah. Um, so, okay. other thoughts? On what? On cash. So, I want to just throw out one. Because sometimes people out there that listen to us, they have... Uh, they, they understand that we're not providing financial advice here. We're just No, we're not finding, providing financial advice. We're trying to, charging. We're trying to educate on the options. That's and what I, we're doing. Educating. Right now I want to educate on something that I've seen that it intrigues me, although certainly I wouldn't recommend it, um, even if I was going to do it myself, which I might. Well, you've got my interest. You're educating me. You don't recommend it, but you're interested, and it's something some people do. You've got my attention. So I think by now everyone has heard of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, one thing we know about crypto is it's extremely volatile. It can go up or down 10% in a day. In the last few days, it's gone up a lot. My hunch is it's going back down a lot, too. Um. There are some places now online, places like Celsius and BlockFi, where you can actually take your Bitcoin that you've bought and park it, and they will pay you an interest rate on your coin. Um, Bizarre. And those annual percentage yields, in some cases, are 10 or 12 percent. Um, this is interesting to me only because I have cryptocurrency that I view as play money basically it's yes. like it's money i said well i think there's a chance that this goes up a hundred times in the next 10 years and i also think there's an equally good chance maybe better that it goes to zero and i'm just gonna chuck a little something that way and see what happens um because of that if i get somebody that says well just for keeping your your crypto here we will also pay you 12 percent per year well, I'm like, I'm already gambling, so might as well double it up here. <laughs> um, and I've looked into the security of some of these places, and I think it's pretty close to being on par with, with what I've seen at um, some of the more, the wallets that you guys have probably heard of, like Coinbase and things like that. Um, I'm certain there's people listening to this who are experts in cryptocurrency. We're not. I'm certainly not. Um, but I do think it's just an intriguing option if you're just looking for some yield um, to say, well, if, if I let somebody else hold my Bitcoin for a while or my other cryptocurrencies, they will lend it out and they will pay me to, to do that. Um, could it all tumble down because I don't fully understand exactly how they're doing it? Yes, it could. And that's why I would never recommend this to anybody. But for today, the, that's kind of the offer that's on the table from from a couple of the providers of crypto wallets. So that's my bad advice for the day. Crypto wallet, Celsius. It's something some people do. We don't recommend it. And if you love to gamble, there's a place you could gamble. Is you heard it here at Abraham's Wallet. Biblical advice <laughs> for taking care of your home and family. <laughs> Well, maybe now we should edit it out. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like that tagline so much. <laughs> it's like saying there's something called cocaine out there. Oh, Not no. everyone thinks it's a great idea, but some people really like it. Brought to you not, by Abraham's Wallet. It's not like that at all. Oh. Um, 
Well, that's what I've got on on where to keep your cash. Uh, I wish that I could have given you guys some hot tips because I had some fun lesser known banks that were offering really high interest rates. And then just like that, we had a chance to interview Aaron Wren last week. We had a Christmas podcast that needed to get out before Christmas and boom, my, my hot tips were no longer valid in the market. That's great. Well, knowing that this is the last that um, dudes are going to hear from us before the end of the year, I would just like to take one last opportunity to plug having a year in summit with your wife and making some plans. We, we have a friend who just told us about some of his um, year end goals and they were not nearly as exhaustive or involved as say my goals are at the end of the year where I have dozens and dozens of goals that fit into every tiny category. And if you've been through our um, summit guide, you you know all of those categories. Um, this guy went through our stuff and just came away with like four or five goals, and which is totally fine. That's where he's at. He feels like that'll move the ball forward in his home. It'll help his relationship with God. It'll help his marriage and his financial plans. And that's totally fine. But I I just want to, when we were talking about um, just stashing money, I was thinking of Proverbs 6, which is where we're told to pay attention to the ant. And the ant stores away for winter. And what, what the ant does is it makes plans. This same idea of plan making uh, occurs in Luke chapter um, 14 where it says only a fool would go to arm go to war and not know how big his army is or only a fool would start to build a tower and not consider how much it's going to cost to build that tower and if i might tell you lovingly uh, brother listening to me digitally only a fool would head into 2021 never consider what his uh capitals are presently never consider where his wife is uh, needful of help or support, um, where the growing possibilities are for your children, um, that'd be foolish. So I, I implore you, you can use our guide or not use our guide, but please take some time away with God and um, um, consider yourself, consider your life, and consider where you are and consider what what would be um, the growing edge of maturity, discipleship, and manhood for you co- going into 2021. So we have, a, a, as, as I've referred to, a variety of resources to help you with that. You don't have to use them, but I, I just want to encourage everybody there. The, the turning of the uh, calendar page into 2021 is... Um, is significant and I don't want you to just lazily let the time drain by. That's one of the great values of this afterglow holiday week after Christmas is that you get you have the time to do relational things, you can catch up on reading, and you can kind of get out of the minutia of your life to pull back and get a greater perspective on what's happening around you. So we encourage that and I bless you as you as you endeavor to do that. Anything else from you, Mark? No, I think that's good. I've already seen 
some early returns from the summit we did last weekend in our own life. And I, I think we've said it on here, but if you had a crap year this year, a summit is a great idea to reset. And it really is. And you may have had an awesome year this year because you had all these things stripped away that sucked. That, yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost offensive to people when you tell them 2020 was an awesome year, but some of you feel probably like it was. And if that's you using a summit to really uh, solidify some of those changes and say, that's one of the things we do in our summit is what, what did we stop doing this year that gave life? And um, this year we stopped doing a whole lot. So it was a unique opportunity to reflect and it was awesome. Uh, the summit this year was awesome. I came away more uh, fired up than I have in the last few years. And and we didn't have a ton of time. We did it in one night, one night away. Um, and we still got a, a ton of good stuff out of it. Great. Well, if you work in consumer packaged goods, you, you think it was a wonderful year. Most people uh, don't work in consumer packaged goods. And most people did not think it was a great year. And the tendency is to to kick a planning to the curb and to kind of go like, well, we don't have any money. We don't have any prospects. So just screw that. I guess we don't have anything to talk about. Um, I would say nay to you. And I would say, oh, contraire, you have plenty to talk about because you can talk about what are the losses that we want to walk away from? What were the the pinholes of light that we want to push into? And what did we learn about our family? And what what are the habits that we want to not pick up again? What are the things that we're really eager to pick up again? What can we do to cobble something together? Maybe you maybe you realize, gosh, I I was holding my breath until they said this pandemic thing was done with. But holy cow, we've got to travel, or my mind's going to explode. Well, you can still travel. They, 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 you can go to a park. You know, you can still travel. You can still look around, and, and maybe that's something you go, well, we're going to have to reinvent the way that we travel or something. But there's great value in just sitting down with your spouse, reviewing the year. It's amazing the things that we pick up on when we, when we walk through our calendar for the previous year. And then we see, oh, we did that same thing happened to us four times. And my wife goes, I don't want that to happen anymore. And I go, oh, great. I'm jotting that down. Don't want that to happen again. It happened four times, whatever the thing is. And you see trends and you and both of your eyebrows will lift up and you go, oh, that was the birthday party. That was so fun. Why was that fun? Because we had the cousins over. Why wouldn't we get the cousins over quicker than that? We don't have to wait for the birthday party. Okay, I'm going to make a note of that, et cetera, et cetera. And you can really uncover some wonderful stuff. And whether you think you had a great year or not, please don't kick planning to the curb. That's my plea. All right. Well, And with that, we close. We close out 2020 with that. Fantastic. Well, it's been a good year for uh, old Abe's wallet. And uh, we've appreciated the support from everybody. We appreciate hearing from our listeners. And, um, um, well, I don't know. Thank you for patronizing us. Yes, we thank you for all the time you've spent jogging and uh, consuming this podcast, which we did not charge you for. But uh, <laughs> True. Nonetheless. We appreciate the audience. 
Well, you guys have a great new year and we'll talk to you on the other side. See you in 2021 for Abraham's Wallet. This is Stephen Manuel. And this is Mark Parrott. Hey, hey, hey.